91. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities, but opportunities are not always obvious. 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at risk. 91 is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Day It All Changed. This is a CityWire podcast in association with 91 Asset Management, and I'm Ian Horn, your host for this series. Now, this podcast, as most listeners will be aware by now, is all about triumphs over adversity and achieving success despite overwhelming odds and circumstances. Now, this week, I'm once again in brilliant company as I'm joined by motivational speaker, TV host, and champion rally car driver, Penny Mallory. Uh, Penny, firstly, welcome to The Day It All Changed. How are you doing today? Um, I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, great to have you on. And I know you've got an incredible story to tell. Well, you've got several uh, great stories to tell, to be to be completely fair. Um, I think we'll, we'll start at the beginning. What's your kind of background story, Penny? I know these days you, you know, you've achieved a lot of things and you're uh, a speaker on, on mental toughness and other things. But yeah, what what brought you to where you are? What was your upbringing like, and and what's your what's your story basically? Okay, um, so I need to go back to the beginning, don't I? Yes. Um, okay, <laughs> I I was brought up in quite a middle class, very white Kentish village, um, and and had a, a relatively privileged childhood, um, and on the outside it would have looked very nice and comfortable and easy and the truth is you never know what goes on behind closed doors do you behind the door it wasn't that at all my mum was a very very severe manic depressive so suicidal lows manic highs um in the 60s and 70s when you were as ill as she was and she was off the scale um you were sectioned, sedated and banged up in a lunatic asylum, you know, as we used to call them. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with my mum in a mental hospital, as we called them. Um, and I, I visited her and she was an alcoholic as well. So it, life was just miserable because I I wanted a mum like everyone else's mum. And she was nothing like everyone else's mum. So I was an angry, resentful, horrible kid, really. I just didn't, I didn't find it easy to make friends. Um, I just grew up, yeah, just sort of withdrawing from the world because I thought the world was a horrible place and I I ran away when I was 14 because I I lived at home with my dad who I didn't really get on with and my brother who I didn't really get on with so I was a bit of a loner from right from day one and I ran away at 14 and then never went back um trouble is um (laughs) I landed in homeless hostels when I was 16 in London and so I was in homeless hostels for I think nearly two years sofa surfing for another couple of years just having you know heroin addict boyfriend. I was in trouble with the police. Life just was not quite what anyone had in mind for this white middle-class privileged kid. Yeah. Um, so I've done, I'm doing all the talking. Is this okay? <laughs> no, no, that, that is absolutely fine. Look, okay. you've got an incredible story to tell and, and I, and I want to hear all of it. So yeah, please, please carry on. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm in, I'm in these horrible places, but I've still got a spirit of adventure inside me because the bit, the bit I've forgotten to tell you that was when I was six, I watched a TV show, which was probably Grandstand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched rally cars on TV and I thought it was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen in my life. And one day I was growing to grow up and be a rally driver. And for some reason, you know, some things just stick in the back of your mind, don't they? And that six year old thing just never left my head. So even when I was on my uppers in London, 
I still thought one day I'm going to be a rally driver. And obviously I had no money. I had no contacts. There was no Google, no Facebook. Couldn't get in touch with anyone. You couldn't make contacts. And I had no money. So it was an impossible dream. It was ridiculous. But I, even at my darkest hours in London, I was, you know, one day I'm going to be drive rally cars. I just, I just will. I just know I will. And of course life didn't quite go how I'd anticipated and I sort of hit a massive rock bottom as many people do and it was a brilliant springboard you know it did actually make me think for a moment don't do this stupid thing yeah just get yourself into a rally car which is the thing you've always dreamt of doing just do it for an hour you know just do it for a day just borrow some money so I phoned I don't know if you remember 192 directory inquiries and I said I want to be a rally driver can you can you help me she said, I don't, I don't know. I've never had this call before. Yeah, I can't said, get many of those. Yeah. Well, exactly. And she said, oh, hang on, hang on. I've, I've got a rally school in Oxfordshire. I said, perfect. Just give me the number. So I found this rally school and I booked, I don't remember how I paid for it. I must have borrowed the money. Um, and I went on a half day driving day at a rally school in Oxfordshire, which really weirdly is only a few miles from where I live now. And I, I honestly, I remember that day like it was yesterday, and it was probably thirty years ago. Yeah. Um, and it totally changed my life. It was yeah. the day that it all changed. Brilliant, and and you've said that so that I don't have to, which is always exactly on this podcast. I mean, it's it's amazing though. I think one thing to start with there is is you mentioning how even at your kind of you know lowest ebb. You, you still had that deep kind of seated belief that you were going to go on to become a rally car driver. And, and I think what I'm wondering here is, is is how fine is that line between having a dream and, and being slightly delusional? Well, it was un- entirely delusional, um, but it it was it was a dream. It was an idea. I, I don't know what word you'd put on it. It was just a picture I had in my head, which I now know is visualization. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I've always been really, really hot on visualization. But no one told me about it. I just did it. Um, and so, yeah, it it just one of those those things where you have an idea, but the I I liked the idea of believing in the idea. I have to, it's important that all of this was subconscious at the time. It's only in later years I look back and I think, oh my goodness, I visualized it. I made that happen. I made that happen. I made that happen. And so I've lived by a sort of set of rules because I always had to keep myself alive and look after myself because honestly, there was nobody, nobody, nobody looking out for me. I just learned to be super independent and make things happen because I was the only person that would ever make things happen for me. So I just got really good at getting stuff done. And I'm still that way to this day, which drives a lot of people crazy. (laughs) Um, But the dream was just literally a dream. And then I got in the rally car and I thought, oh, my God, this is the first time I feel like I've belonged in my life. I feel like I, I belong here. I've never I didn't belong at school. I didn't belong at home. I didn't belong anywhere. And everything was like the most exciting thing. And I said to the instructor, right, right, right. I want to be a rally driver. What do I do? And he's like, yeah, you, what you do is you go home, you wake up tomorrow and you get on with your rest of your life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm actually going to be a driver. And he said, well, you're not that good. I said, but I'm going to learn. Yeah. And that instructor is still to this day a friend of mine. And yeah, I wasn't very good on that first day, but I decided to get good. And you only get good at anything by doing it a lot. And you can't do rally driving a lot because it costs a fortune. So the only thing I could do was start to look for sponsorship. Yeah. And that was after one lesson? One lesson, one day. 
Wow. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, you're talking about the challenges you faced when you were younger, and and obviously you can't make light of that. That's a that's a really difficult scenario, and you've been through some serious stuff. But to to turn that around a bit, those experiences, I assume, gave you some or taught you some lessons and helped you build some character traits, which moving forward perhaps gave you an advantage. Would you would you agree with that? I would. Um, I certainly grew up not knowingly, but I was definitely believing that no one was ever going to help me. No one was going to look out for me. Um, if you want stuff, you've got to get, get it for yourself. And that probably isn't what you're meant to think when you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But I'm so grateful for it because I am so resourceful still. I, if I have an idea, I can make it happen or I'll do my absolute damnedest to make it happen. So I didn't realise that I was being sort of crafted and moulded for this all through my growing years. And I am, I will bounce back from anything. I'm really resilient because I just don't hold on to stuff. I just sort of move on, move on, move on, next, next, next. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they get knocked back, stay stay in that knocked back position but you've just that's resilience has been a bouncing back quicker than others so I've just always been good at it because I had to so to me it wasn't a special thing it wasn't you know it was just me you know it was nothing odd or weird or special it was just me but it served me so well because being becoming a rally champion is not easy no and um you know 12 12 years i was driving and you know you it's all about money in motorsport so i had to raise ridiculous amounts of money so i got very good at marketing myself i got very good at speaking to sponsors because that was going to be the only way i'd get to drive and of course if you the more money you raise the better the car you have the better car you have the more you the more success you have so I had to just go looking for money. And I was sponsored by Wash and Go. Do you remember the hair shampoo? I did indeed, yes. <laughs> I was sponsored by Ariston washing machines. I was sponsored by Pirelli and Mobile and um, all sorts of, uh, gosh, all sorts of sponsors. An, an insurance company called Pinnacle. I had some amazing sponsors and more more household names than anyone else in the country had on their car. So it was quite a big thing that I managed to create. But that was all I, all I wanted to do was drive. So yeah. that was the important thing. It's actually incredible that you had to do the job of a marketing, uh, you know, guru as well as as well as the driving. And was with that in mind, were there any points where you thought this is a bit overwhelming, and and maybe maybe you thought about you know packing it in? Um, well, and of course, there was no Google in those days, so <laughs> there was only directory inquiries. If you wanted to find somebody, it was really not easy. So you had to be very good at being bold and going up to people and speaking to them, which yeah. people don't do so much now. Um, sorry, and I've forgotten your question. So, Oh, yeah, sure. My, my question was, I mean, obviously everything you, you've been through there and, and had to do, you've had to take on, you know, just the marketing part of that should have been a yes. job in itself. So yes. I, I think my, my question was, were there any points where you actually felt overwhelmed by it and thought maybe maybe it was time to rein it in or, or, or pack it in entirely? Um, it don't think I don't recall it ever crossing my mind to pack it in because if I got well I remember when Wash and Go said yes they would I'd been talking to them for about six months and I it was it was everything if they said yes I had a, a ticket to the moon basically and they so they couldn't say no so I just got I just dug deep and I thought I'm going to cover every single base every angle every possible thing so that they can't say no I'm going to make this this case so, so brilliant because they'd never sponsored a rally car. They didn't know 
whether it was going to work. So I just used to put in a lot more work than anyone else. So I made videos and I did um, did drawings of the car and I said, I'm going to speak to these media. So I did loads of publicity for them and they got more publicity than any anybody else at the time on any cars anywhere. It was it was huge. And they got way, way, way more than anyone ever expected. But I really did put in the hard yards because it was my only ticket to the moon was this sponsorship. And when Sposh and Go pulled out, I had to have another one lined up and another one lined up and another one lined up. So yeah. I remember at the time saying somebody, you know, it's 5% driving and 95% finding the money to drive. So it never overwhelmed me. It never made me think this is too hard. I just always remember thinking, okay, well, you know, that didn't happen. So next, what next, what next, what next? It was never really an option to not do it because it was all I wanted in the world. So nothing was going to stand in my way. Yeah, and, and that's incredible. I think really inspirational as well for people who maybe have big dreams and aspirations, but maybe feel like they're not being supported because, you know, most people who who make it rally driving elsewhere, I assume, are supported from, from an early stage and do have people looking after their various you know, endeavours for them and marketing and all the rest. So, um, yeah, what, what advice do you have for people who are, you know, you've mentioned already that ability to to kind of handle a failure or rejection and keep going and keep going. But beyond that, is there any other advice you've got for people that are trying to, to make a dream a reality? I think um, I had perhaps a misplaced belief in my ability. <laughs> I really believed I could make this happen. I really thought this is not beyond the realms of man or woman. This is not an impossible thing. It's going to be really hard, but I think I can do this. And the one thing that I didn't do enough, have, have enough money to do was practice. So I, most of my practicing was done on the actual rally, learning as I go, because there was never enough money for that as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I believed I could do it. And I, like I say, it was a bit misplaced, but thank goodness I did believe. I just thought, I just remember thinking, well, he can do it. She can, why can't, I don't see why I can't. I just wouldn't, it just never really crossed my mind that I, I couldn't, which sounds really arrogant now, doesn't it? But, um, well, I just think it's the one thing perhaps that people are easily knocked off their self-belief podium, you know, their whatever you want to call it it's easy to it's easy to not believe in yourself it's also easy to believe in yourself it's not it doesn't take any more effort so I would suggest people just start actually having a bit more faith in what they're capable of and that negative self-talk obviously I had it and I when I was I had it more when I was driving more than trying to get the money to drive but I, I was also quite good at talking myself out of that because I knew it was going to make me crash and I didn't want to crash because the crash would cost money and that would cause me more work so I was very good at sort of snapping myself out of negative chat in my head I I hadn't got time for it 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 was not an option it was a waste of time waste of effort I might as well focus my time my energy my thoughts my emotions everything into a helpful useful you know good place that will take me forward and that's and so I suppose what I'm saying is my advice would be you have choices you know you can think this is possible you can think it's not possible well it doesn't change whether it's possible or not but your thinking is is incredibly powerful and will take you in a direction so why not get on the direction that is positive Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, that, that point you were making earlier about it, it maybe sounds <laughs> arrogant might not be the right word, but possibly a bit too oh, a bit overconfident to say someone else is doing it. Why not me? I, I assume I assume everyone, <laughs> most people who succeed do have that attitude and mindset. So I suppose it's not something to be judged too harshly. And, uh, and, and looking at your career as well, uh, beyond driving, you've done lots on TV as well. Could you tell us how that came about and, and what your experiences have been you know, doing that? Yeah, so when you've spent 12 years driving rally cars, earning nothing, um, and your sponsors pull out and kind of your, your day is done, you think, oh, crikey, what on earth am I going to do now? Because I, I was no good at school because I didn't pay any attention. So... Um, I thought I could, I wonder if I could work on TV. I don't know where I got this idea from. And somebody told me that um, Channel 4, oh, no, it, wasn't, no, it wasn't Channel 4. I got, my first job was reporting on some racing and I was rubbish and I couldn't remember my lines. And they said to me, they took me aside and said, you know, you really need to work a little bit harder on remembering your lines. And I was so humiliated that I hadn't been successful, you know, in that particular filming that I made a pact with myself because this is what I'm like. I'm quite disciplined, right? You're going to be, you're going to get reputation for delivering all your lines first time perfectly. Then I had an, uh, an audition with Channel 4 who were making a program called Driven. And I, I was like, you're going to get everything right first time. And that's what you're going to be known for. And so I did. I just made sure I really put in a lot of work to, to get my lines right. And I was so lucky to work with Mike Brewer, Jason Plato on Driven for Channel 4. And then I got to present the World Rally Championship and I got to present the Used Car Roadshow and the Classic Car Show and the Roadshow and a million other car programs. So for a long time, I was able to, to use my rally experience and my sort of profile as a rally driver to work in TV on car programs. And of course, that eventually dries up. And then you think, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And so now I, and again, I didn't mean to do this, but I forged a career as a speaker. So I talk about my story, but the mental toughness that I needed, that you can develop, that everyone can develop to get what you want. Yeah. And, and on that mental toughness, I mean, you, you've already told us a lot already, but you've not mentioned that you've climbed two mountains, uh, run marathons, done triathlons, had two boxing matches. So I, I feel like you, you've earned your stripes on that one. I... Yeah, not any old mountains, you know, two of the seven summits. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like the marathons. I didn't, well, I didn't like any of it, if I'm honest. The boxing was the most exciting thing, but also the most scary. I've done my I've done a lot of things that I didn't think I could do to prove to myself that I can. So it, this is exhausting for everyone around me. But for me, it's and perhaps I don't know, perhaps I'm going to back off a bit of this stuff now because I have nothing really left to prove to anyone. But I was really wanting to prove stuff to myself because of my background and I felt worthless. As an adult, I wanted to prove, sort of top up my worthiness tank, you know, so I wanted to achieve things to make myself feel better. Yeah. And that's why I set lots of challenges and pushed myself because also it's really important for everyone to remember that whenever you think you've got nothing left, you have. So... If you've been into the boxing ring, you'll know that, you know, six, three two minute rounds, six minutes sounds like nothing. But it, every round is like two hours in the boxing ring because the bell never rings and you've got nothing left. You're hanging on the ropes going, I can't do that. I can't do another round. I can't. And then the bell rings and you have to go out and do another round and you do it. And I, I learned so much from those fights. And I think my mental toughness probably accelerated because 
it's a, it's one thing to be a boxer. It's another thing to hit the be punched and hit the canvas and bounce back up and get back straight back into the fight when you think you've got nothing left and then to discover that you have and everybody has more they have we all have like a reserve tank that we never tap into because we never really need to but that's what i think makes the difference between good and great the people that actually push themselves until they need that reserve tank and go wow i didn't know i could do that yeah and, yep. and you're speaking quite literally on the boxing thing if i'm right yeah yeah very very much literally yeah yeah and uh, it's it's just <laughs> these kind of endeavors you've mentioned a few things already today such as you know proving things to yourself and also you talked about belonging earlier on I wonder if stuff like this, is it about having a sense of purpose? Is that is that part of it? Well, actually, that's what underlies this whole thing. So I didn't know that all the time I was driving and trying to be a rally champion that the, that I had a purpose. And that was to get my dad's attention, because when I left home at 14, I didn't see him or hear from him for 20 years. Little did I know that in the back subconscious of my mind, I was thinking, if I can be a rally champion, maybe my dad will get in touch with me and notice me or be proud of me. And so I didn't know, but that was fueling me. That was my purpose. So that's why nothing was going to beat me because I had to come to his attention. So that was my purpose, my mission, my goal, whatever you call it, what you will, that drove me to do what I did. And then my dad died, of course. Um, there's a lot, there's a bit of a story here, but I haven't got time for it probably today, but he did die. And then you think, oh, okay, so next <laughs> that can't be my purpose anymore because that that story has has closed yeah. um and so i think my purpose now is to help other people to transform i just i've worked in prisons with category b prisoners helping them to address their offending behavior so that when they're released you know they can have a happier more productive life because i love to see a transformation in a person i saw it in me i've seen it in people it excites me and that, I think, now is what pushes me. That's that's when I get really excited is where I've got a potential to help somebody make a massive transformation in their life. Yeah, that, that sounds like incredible work, actually. And could you, could you tell us a bit more about that? Well, I it started when I was driving. Somebody said to me, oh, my friend's a coach. You want to you want to speak to him? And I thought, I don't know what a coach is. I, you know, it's a, like fitness coaches. No, no, no. It's, a, it's like a psychological mindset coach. I thought, well, I'd, that sounds silly. Anyway, <laughs> I met Mike, who was incredible, who transformed my driving performance just by sitting and talking to me. He said, and this is a secret I'm sharing now because I don't talk about this, but he said, you, you've been driving all this time with your foot on the brake in your head, your, your metaphorical foot on the brake because you don't think you're worthy. And da, da, da. So he helped me by talking to me to sort of release my foot off the brake. So I drove faster because I felt like it was okay for me to succeed and to do okay. He transformed my driving by talking to me. And I thought, wow, I want to be a coach as well when I grow up. So I now am a coach and I work with unbelievable people from every aspect, area of life, you know, business, sports, prisoners, you name it, because I want to see and enjoy the difference that a coaching program can make to somebody yeah and I'm a really good coach because I I totally have lived it I understand it I get it and I think I'm really I've got a, a good grip on how to to challenge people to get excited about 
reaching their goals or pushing it a bit harder or digging a bit deeper or whatever it might be. Um, so I just love this. I love coaching because it's, it, again, it makes me, I only do this stuff because it all makes me feel good. It's, it feels good to know that you've helped somebody do that. And I was going to ask, because from what I've heard from you and you talking about coaching, would I be right to assume you're, you're, you're sort of on the, the tough love end of the spectrum? Uh, yeah, there's no ribbons and bows on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tough. I'm empathetic, but I'm, I'm quite challenging. I, I don't, I, I, you know, if you come to me for coaching, you don't, you know what you're going to get probably. Um, you're going to get pushed, you're going to get challenged, but you're going to have the best time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm not one of those, I'm not sort of wearing sandals and stroking you. I will, I'm absolutely <laughs> the other end of the spectrum to that. Yeah, I mean, there's something I spotted on, on your website and you were talking, it was in your, your bio and you were talking about as a child, you, you felt like you were you were average at everything and you were kind of only ever congratulated for trying, which, you know, it yeah. seems to me you, you saw that as a celebration of, of mediocrity. And, yeah. you know, do, do you think this is something, you know, this kind of attitude is something that as a society we need to to rethink, basically? Yeah, I, I do. And and there's nothing more depressing than being celebrated for being mediocre. You know, just no, 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 no. Don't like, no, I don't want to do it. I'd rather be the worst or the best, but please don't <laughs> celebrate me for being in the middle. And I was in the middle for everything. I just didn't stand out for anything and I hated it so much. And so this isn't going to go down well with an awful lot of people who are PC. But, you know, if we're all going to have a good life, the country's going to prosper everyone's going to prosper we all have to toughen up a bit you know we have to learn to deal with stuff and bounce back we have to, we have to be more confident resilient we have to have more belief we have to have big dreams <laughs> otherwise we're going to end up with lots of people who just can't cope with any stress or any pressure and that's that's no use to anyone and it, it's it makes for a really unhappy life so i'm afraid i am on the tougher end of the spectrum um but, you know, I have not ever worked with a single person who wishes I hadn't pushed them or encouraged them or supported them because they wish they hadn't achieved that fantastic thing. It's never happened. Yeah. And and speaking of that kind of character uh, building exercise, were there any kind of blocks you had to overcome? I mean, you, you've mentioned your your coach saying about feeling as though you had one foot on the brakes. But were there any other kind of things you had to overcome to to realise your potential? Well, the obvious one, um, which actually I'm going to mention it, it wasn't a problem, but everyone thinks it would have been, was the gender thing. So I'm, you know, people who say, what's it like being a woman in a man's world? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just um, in my world. I'm not in somebody else's world. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? I, I was always a bit bemused and I hated, didn't want special treatment. I wanted to be treated as an equal. And I, unfortunately, I had to promote the female thing to get sponsorship, which I always felt so uncomfortable about because I didn't yeah. want to push the female thing but I knew that that's how I'd get the money um so I was always pushing just treat me the same I want to I want to achieve things purely on credit you know I don't on, on, on merit rather on merit I don't want anyone to offer me anything that I don't deserve or you know I I want to feel comfortable with what I'm doing and where I am so that would be the one thing that most people would expect me to have come across I did a little bit not a great deal motorsport is incredibly inclusive um there isn't a single race or rally that everybody can't enter even if you're disabled or 
you know, I, I was driving with guy, a guy with no hands who had been in a fire. I wow. was driving with, you know, I was, and he was really quick, amazing driver. Um, motorsport is exceptionally inclusive. So the, the assumptions that people might make about a man's world are absolutely not, not the case. Right. Well, well, Penny, I think, unfortunately, this is about all we've got time for. But do you have any any parting messages to leave leave our listeners? I mean, bearing in mind, this is all about change management, this podcast and yeah, and how people can, you know, say someone's listening to this and they're going through a difficult time and they're wondering what to do next. What's your advice on on how to come out of a tough situation, you know, smelling of roses and, and, and successful? It, it's difficult to generalise, isn't it, for such a massive question. But mm. I, I think if, I, if you're going to force me to generalise, I would say just have a moment to sit and reflect on where you are, what you've achieved, what you've done so far, what's got you here. Um, please remind yourself of the amazing things you've already done. And it's OK to be exhausted, knackered. Every athlete, every, everybody needs a rest. Nobody works 24-7 flat out all year. Everybody needs rest. But remind yourself what you've achieved. Be really super clear about what you're, where you're going because if you think you're going there or you might try this or you might try that, it's not going to happen. It's, it's going to be a wishy-washy attempt at something. I think it's about laser focus, 100% commitment because, by the way, there are no degrees of commitment. It's 100% or nothing. And that's really worth thinking about. If you if you're committing to something seventy percent, it is zero. It is a hundred percent or nothing. So laser focused, understand exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve. Then all your time and attention is going in one direction. It's not being diluted or distracted. And and just start taking a step. You know, I got to the top of those two summits because I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I wouldn't have got to the top if I stop taking the steps so just keep stepping forward brilliant penny thank you so much for joining us um i'm afraid that is all we have time for but it's been it's been a real pleasure to hear your story and for everyone listening in thank you for joining us too i've been ian horn and this has been the day it's all changed 91 the investment manager seeking opportunities in change the world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities but opportunities are not always obvious 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at Risk. 91 is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.